This week on the Emmaus Institute for Disciple Making podcast, we join Rick Evans as he begins his series titled Storyline, which looks at the whole narrative of the Bible with the illustration of a five-act play. Today he'll be covering Act 1 and Act 2, which is the creation and the fall. All right. While y'all were doing that, I got a question for y'all. I want you to ponder for a second. Think of your some stories you really enjoy. Um, long stories. Maybe part of a series. It can be in literature, can be in movies, television, maybe even songs by an artist that did a series of songs that, that put together a story. Now just think about that a little bit. And then think about some key moments of that story near the end. And how different that peak moment or moments would be if you didn't know the parts leading up to it. So let's say someone came in and um, wasn't familiar with the story. We'll say Narnia or Lord of the Rings or something. And you just came in at the very end of the, you know, the king gets crowned at the very end. You're trying to explain that to somebody and they're saying, yeah, that, that sounds great. You know, I just, uh, that's good, but you know, I, I didn't really pick up on the rest of the story, so I don't know, so I can't appreciate it fully. How many have seen um, The Force Awakens, Star Wars Force Awakens? Star Wars fans, okay. Han Solo dying, okay? You can say, someone who's not familiar with Han dying or with Han Solo, kind of like they wouldn't get that moment. How many people saw Avengers Endgame? Okay, a lot of people saw Avengers Endgame. Very end of the movie, big battle. The heroes that are left on Earth are all knocked down except Captain America. He's the only one standing against the army. What, what's that? Spoiler. <laughs> so, yeah, right. It's a spoiler alert. So if you don't want to hear it, please leave. Um, and Thor's getting about to get killed, and Thor's hammer ends up in Cap's hand. Cap's ready to fight. Big moment. I, I, I heard our theater erupted in clapping. I've heard theaters around the country. That was a big moment, but unless you got the Captain America trilogy or the Thor trilogy or the other Avengers themselves, one, two, and three, you wouldn't get a full appreciation of what happened at that moment and what that meant. We're doing that a little bit here with scripture. Um, there's a sense of we're shortening or, or diminishing the story of scripture, if we just focus on certain parts, especially just on the New Testament, especially on just certain theological truths. Um, we need to appreciate the full story because Jesus invested himself in the full story. The New Testament writers assumed everyone would want to appreciate the full scriptural story. And that's the word that they lived in and for us to get a full appreciation of the gospel, full appreciation of what God's doing in the world, we need to understand at least basic the full story. So we're going to do three things tonight, tonight alone. First, we're going to do this introduction and kind of briefly what this class is going to look like. Two, we're going to dive in because we've got a lot of material to get to and I'll kind of go into that. And three, and most importantly, I'll get you out of here in time for game seven of the Stanley Cup. So don't, that's the highest priority and that, that'll happen. So, um, let's start here. Um, I'm going to write something here on the board. Or I'm going to read it out to you. I want you to think about it. 
Tell me what you think of this. This was on a church marquee. Life, the time God gives you to determine how you will spend eternity. And then it says worship 930, but that's Again, life, the time God gives you to determine how you will spend eternity. What do y'all think of that? There's going to be a little interaction. I'm not going to sit up here and lecture. So let's, a little interaction here. What do y'all think of that? What are some thoughts on that? That message on a church sign. Good, bad? Good, okay. Is it sufficient? Does it give the whole story? Is Christianity just about avoiding hell? It's not. It's much bigger than that. And unfortunately, sometimes we make it just about that. And so this class is largely going to be filling out that much bigger, bigger picture. I can't go into how big it is because it's bigger than we can comprehend. And it's exciting. And Scripture is sufficient for us, but it doesn't give us to know God exhaustively. As the old story says the, the little girl went to the ocean, scooped up some water in her cup, brought it back to her mom, said, Mom, I understand the ocean now. No. You know, Scripture is our cup of water. It's sufficient for what we need to know. It helps us understand God and our role in His, his plan. But it's, it's not all that there is. Um, a woman who recently passed away, unfortunately, she wrote, um, so I can, should have brought my glasses, but I didn't. She recently wrote this, or she wrote this a few years ago. Jesus invites us into a bigger, a story bigger than ourselves and our imagination. Yet we all get to tell that story with the scandalous particularly, particularity of this moment and this place. We are storytelling creatures because we are fashioned in the image of a storytelling God. May we never lose our love for telling the story. And that's what we're going to try to do here in this class. So, has everybody gotten a chance to, to sign the attendance sheet? Heather has it, thank you. She could hold on to that. And then I'm going to have you all, if you would. The main resource for this class that you'll get in a few weeks is this book called The True Story of the World. Um, it, it talks about scripture in a narrative sense, in a storyline sense. Um, it's a great book, but we're not doing just this book, and so that's why we're not gonna use it necessarily as our only resource. We're gonna, I'm bringing in other resources for this. So, um, the bigger version of that same book by the same authors is called The Drama of Scripture. It's a little longer, um, a little more in depth, but also a good book if you wanted to get that. But these you'll be getting um, in a few weeks. The, the goal of this class is going to be, I realize we're, some people are here for two different reasons, or various reasons. One, some people may here, be here just to get this idea of what are the main themes, what's the main storyline of Scripture? Because sometimes we lose that. And as these writers write, um, 
one problem has been that, quote, the Bible has been broken up into little bits, historical critical bits, devotional bits, moral bits, theological bits, narrative bits. And um, one thing I love about this church, you know, is they take whole, go through the whole book, of, you know, each book. They're not just chopping it up in bits, but also we want to be able to put all those books together. For those who don't know, scripture is not, all the books are not in chronological order. You may not know that. We're going to dive into that. As we go through the story of scripture, I'm going to put the books in chronological order. Um, so some of them are going to think, well, I thought this came later than that book, or why is this book being mentioned at the same time as this book, that kind of thing. That's why. We're going to talk about how they, the events took place in chronological order. Also, there may be a few books we don't mention. Not that they're not important. Clearly, they're in the canon of Scripture. But if, because of time, because we have limited time, and we're going to cover a lot of information, we may not mention one or two of the prophets, maybe. One or two of, of the, the New Testament letters we may not mention um, just in passing. Not that they're not very important. Um, they are obviously the part of Scripture, and you can get a lot out of them. So we're going to do three things here. Three ways to look at Scripture here. From Genesis, whoops. From Genesis to Revelation, and that's what we're going to do. We're going to go, especially at about a 20,000 foot view, we're going to look at Genesis to Revelation. We are going to dive down and look at periodic events and characters, because I know many of you are here for that reason. You're thinking, I kind of get the overall picture of Scripture or the themes, but when did such and such happen? I can't quite place that event in the storyline of Scripture. Or when did David show up, or Abraham, or when did Paul show up? That kind of thing. We're going to dive into those kind of events as well. But we're also going to show various scriptures from these various books and events that go back to the themes we're going to talk about. We're also going to be looking at the storyline through the lens of Christ. It's an idea of looking backwards. Anson did this on Sunday, and I can't remember if it was part of the sermon, part of the questions after the one. Um, but Anson, the idea of who is the hero of the story? Who is the great king? Who is, we, we look at through the lens of Christ now, which gives us a different interpretation of, of these events and helps us see it in the right light. Finally, a way we're not necessarily going to talk that much in this class about, but another way to read scripture is diving in and meditating, meditating on a passage and letting that passage speak to you. However, it's helpful when diving into a passage to get the overall theme of scripture, the themes of scripture, and um, where, where that's all going. So, those are the ideas. We're gonna, again, we're not going to do as much as the meditating on passages. We're going to do much more of just going through the story from where God entered history um, to the, where he see, shows we're going. And then we're going to look a little bit, um, especially as we get to certain, certain characters and events, through the lens of Christ. Because let's face it, Jesus did that. Um, the New Testament writers did that. They had a 
unique take on things in the Old Testament in the light of Christ and the resurrection. And so um, that's what we're going to do. So if you have any questions, just holler. This is a relaxed class. That's right. You know, bring in your drinks. It's okay to spill on the carpet. Uh, um, cancel that. <laughs> Forgot Anson was in here. Um, St. Jerome once wrote, he's one of the early church fathers, ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. Ignorance of scripture is ignorance of Christ. Now, that's a little blunt. Early church fathers sometimes be pretty blunt. But you get his overall idea. To fully appreciate Christ and what God's doing. And I'm going to really be referring to a Trinitarian, the Trinity, that idea. So I'm talking about God overall. Um, if you want to recap on that, we did a creeds class last fall. They're happy to give you the notes for that, or I think Brian has it on audio. So, But we're talking about Trinity here, and that's very important as well, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Um, but to fully appreciate God or Christ, you need to understand Scripture, because again, Christ kept referring back to himself as the story of scripture is the fulfillment and we're going to look at that um so let's dive in a little bit scripture often has been talked about as the story of scripture and i may ruffle a few feathers here with this but that's what i'm here for Creation, some of you may have seen this before. Creation, fall, Christ, um, and we'll say church, or second coming. How many of you have seen it, the story of scripture phrased like that, those four parts? Okay few of you have okay there's a there's a problem here a little bit with this idea not that this is wrong but is it sufficient again we're talking about does it give the whole story well where's Israel in this where's a lot of other stuff in this it doesn't really go into that so how we're going to look at this and how this book looks at this is a five-act play we, they also they actually go to six, six acts. We're going to combine a couple of them. Act one is creation. Act two is the fall. Act three is Israel. Oops. Four is Jesus. Five is the church. In Acts 6, that there, I'm not going to go, I'm not going to divide it up too much. I get their point, though. Um, some scholars hold to the five parts. These guys actually had a six, and that is the return of Christ. Okay, those are the Acts. How we're going to do it in this class is tonight, 
we're going to do these two. And this is because of we're doing more than just the overall storyline. We're also going to go into depth a little more on events and characters. There's so much in Israel that we can't fit it all into one class. So we're going to split this one into two classes. Then Jesus will be a class, and then this will be a class. So, but we're still going to hold to the five-act play, the five-act drama, okay? Two ways to also, we're going to look, another way we're also going to look at this is our role in the story. That's very important. We have a role in the story, and it's the church. We're part of the story, but we need to understand what's going on before. Also, another part of the story we have is the meditating on scripture I mentioned earlier, diving back in, letting scripture from the past impact us now. That's, that's going to what we're going to do. So we'll dive in here. Any questions? All right, great. One, um, common theme we're going to use here is, is Jesus as king, God as king, um, kingdom. That's going to be a major theme here. We'll talk about that in a minute. But don't think that's the only one. Um, again, scripture, someone told me recently, it was so true. Scripture is a little slippery. When you try to just narrow it into one box, it manages to slip out a little bit, you know, kind of almost ooze through your hands a little more to give you more information. Say, so, well, don't, don't, God almost saying, don't confine me too tightly to that strict ruling. But kingdom is an overall great concept, but it's not the only concept. So keep that in mind as we're talking about this, because your, your outline will talk a lot about king, um, because that, that does apply, but it's not the only one. So most important thing, we can say about this class that I hope you walk away from is the story of scripture is a story about God and his work in the world. God is the hero. God is the main character. And I'm talking about, again, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's the main character. He's the hero. Um, as Anson pointed out Sunday, he's the one that parted the waters. Moses didn't. It was God's doing. Um, as New Testament talks about, Christ sustains things, not the apostles. We need to keep that in mind. That's the most important thing. If you could walk away from that, so great. Because that's, that's the key to, to Scripture. God's the hero. God's the main character. Too often we think it's about us and how we get to go to heaven. That's not the main theme of Scripture. I'm sorry, it's not wonderful benefit and we can even argue about the heaven aspect and we'll talk a little more about that but it's it's about God and him inviting us into the story so if you can walk away from this class with anything please let that be it who is God if y'all would gather into groups about four five six no more than no less than four no less than four people. I say that for the introverts who don't feel like speaking in groups. I, I, I get it. I'm an introvert. So, you know, what Brian just did a minute ago, everybody meet somebody, it's like, oh, please no. <laughs> 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 
But this, this, he's right. We do want to have some fellowship. We, this is the idea of the mission community in the summer. So gather around some people. Talk about this idea. Who is God? If you're going to describe God, who is he? Who is he? Come up with some, some thoughts. Take a few minutes. Gather around and say, you know, who is God? What's a great way? For example, king. God is king. That's one example. So you all talk about it a few minutes amongst yourselves. All right. Who would like to share some of your, some of your answers? Who is God? Yes. Okay. Just. Creator. Okay. Love. Love. You guys are nailing it. First two right there, nailing. Redeemer. Redeemer. Anybody else? Sovereign. Sovereign. I'm going to put that with King. Anybody else? What's that? Father. Father. Sustainer. Sustainer. Friend. Thank you, Robert. No. Anybody else? (laughs) What's that? Rule maker. Oops. Merciful spirit. All right. That's good. That's good. From that, we can pick up some common themes here. Um, Father, friend. Um, I'll leave that separate. Sovereign. Creator, um, provider. Some of these are going to fall under different categories here. But the father-friend, for example, relationship. Relationship is going to be key in this, this class. Um, for so often I, I could think of creator, but then see that as distance. And a lot of it, I know your own parent situation can have a role in that and other factors, but the idea of relationship is huge in scripture more than sometimes we, we appreciate. And we'll, we'll dive into that. We'll show that going throughout the, all of scripture, that idea. The idea of love. I mean, God is love, and it's huge. It's there all the time. Um, and a lot of times it has to do with, because of love, um, we could say there's mercy 
Because of love, there are rules. Because of love, there's discipline. Because of love, there's justice. So love actually feeds these. As a matter of fact, Anson talked about this Sunday. Love can feed those, those other things. Um, so you have love, you have relationships, you have creator. Um, and creator and sustainer. I think those two go together big. He didn't just create and walk away. That's deism. That's being a deist. That's what supposedly Benjamin Franklin and Thomas Jefferson were. Deist, he did this thing left. Kind of left the world. No. He is constantly involved with his creation. And that's another thing we're going to talk about. You'll see this theme throughout scripture. He loves his creation. Loves it. Um, and as Christians, almost we need to take a step back on that. Think, whoa, are we appreciating that as much as Scripture emphasizes that? That theme of creator, his creation, that doesn't just mean us. And that doesn't mean we get to escape and go to heaven and that's the end of the story. Because it's not the end of the story. If you know Revelation, you know that's not the end of the story. Um, so that's a huge theme as well. Good, we know he's good. I'm going to put with that um, holy. Good and holy. Of course, he's spirit too. Um, but uh, Other than now the second person of the Trinity who's in, in the flesh. So those are, those are common things we're going to see about him. Um, so keep, those, keep that in mind. Um, I have down here creator and his creation. They're separate. We cannot confuse creation with the creator. That's another religion. Um, he is apart from his creation. Um, that's what made the incarnation so incredible. He entered into his creation and took on flesh. Um, powerful, powerful moment. But we don't worship the trees. Uh, we don't worship the ground. We worship him who made the trees, who made the ground. Um, king kingdom. A lot of talk, especially, you see it in the New Testament clearly. Um, and you see it is once we get to the kings, we'll talk a lot about this when we get to the kings in the Old Testament. But it's going to start early. You get this sense of king and kingdom early, earlier than we sometimes appreciate. Um, Savior, Messiah. He didn't just let us go. Again, that falls a little bit on the love thing. He came and rescued us. Shepherd, that's going to be a major theme. Um, the idea of shepherd. He's, he's guarding his flock. He's protecting us. He's helping us along. He's, that whole thing. Father, friend, helper. Um, when you talk about helper, and, you know, that's the Holy Spirit comes screaming out. That's, that's the Holy Spirit right there. God and the Holy Spirit is coming to help walk, be with us alongside us. Help us. So, um, so part A, we're going to look at the, the five overarching themes. Who God is. He's the loving, good, holy creator. That, that common theme is going to be there. Second, his relationship with his creation, especially humanity. Especially humanity. Um, the idea of, fam, of family. Father. His family. He's going to use a family to get this whole thing rolling. He's going to go to Abraham and say, we're going to get you going as this part of this family. Um, we're going to talk a lot about covenant. 
an agreement, a deal with the thing. It goes back to king a little bit. The covenants, the way he does the covenants. Again, it goes back to the king idea. But it's an idea he wants to be part of with with his family and his people. He's also missional. He's very on mission. Very on mission. This isn't about we get to keep the faith to ourselves. And this is about send out, spread the news. Robert, you know, emphasized a lot of it in his. He has a passion for that. Spread the news. Spread the news. This is good news. It's a huge story. Spread the good news. We'll talk a lot about that. Um, his hope for humanity. What do you think? He hopes for humanity. What's it, what are his hopes? What do you think he hopes will happen with humanity? Reconciliation. Reconciliation? Come to know him. Glorify him. Glorify him. Yeah. Great answers. Um, so I dive down here for his hope for humanity. Love, sincere hearts to seek, to focus, and rely on him. Again, relationship. He sees, you know, we talk about faith, hope, and love. Um, as First Corinthians says, and now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the grace of these is love. Um, righteousness, wisdom. Wisdom is huge in Scripture. Huge in Scripture, more than you know. Matter of fact, there's new scholarship going on a little bit. Um, that the Old Testament, a lot of the books are more even wisdom literature than they are appreciated before. You say, gosh, you know, Job is wisdom literature. Proverbs, those kind of, that's clear. Some of the other books are thinking, oh, that, that's what, James is wisdom literature. I think Anson talked about that when he did the book of James. It's, it's wisdom literature um, in the New Testament. So um, it's also, in, he wants us to be engaging. This isn't just have faith and be done. It is an active relationship with him. It is an active doing things in his world, his work, um, for his causes. Um, he wants life. There's going to be a big theme on life. Life versus death. Um, life is huge in Scripture more than you... But we, do, we think of life as just living. It's more than that. Life in Scripture means abundant, abundant life. Full, eternal idea of life. Humility, um, appreciating who he is and who we are and how we're, we're broken, we're broken. Um, we are residents and representatives of his kingdom. And of course, the fruits of the spirit. And uh, final hope he has for humanity is freedom. I think it's great that one of the classes is about freedom um, in here. And overall scripture, we're going through Exodus right now. I mean, that's a major theme of Exodus alone. It's freedom. It's free, but that doesn't stop just with Exodus. It's overall one of the major themes of Scripture is freedom. Um, the problem. The problem, rebellion. We rebelled against the king. We rebelled against the king, which resulted in death and sin. We talk a lot about sin. Eastern Orthodoxy, which I appreciate for this reason, don't agree with them on everything, but there, that branch of Christianity says, you know, the big baddie here is death. Death is, and again, like life, death has more than just our physical dying. There's a sense of death being more than that. We're going to talk about that shortly um, when we get to the fall here. Death is the enemy. Death is something Jesus overcame. That's the big enemy. Um, 
idolatry. idolatry. Um, Tim Keller, some of you may be familiar with Tim Keller. He does great work on idolatry. So it shows that so much of our motivation, so much of our sinning is actually idolatry. We are idolizing a, something or ourselves or just, it's great. So if you ever, I recommend Tim Keller's work. He, he generally will go back to idolatry on something because he's super um, Pride, in a way that's idolatry, pride. That's another thing. It's the opposite of that humility we talked about a minute ago. We are broken icons. We are broken images of God. Um, that's part of the problem, the rebellion. And of course, Satan. This isn't just a physical world issue. This is a spiritual world issue. And there are opposing forces on the other side that are contributing to the problem. Um, and we can't be ignorant of that. So, God's mission is to restore his creation and his relationship. What I refer to as the rewords, or I heard of an Old Testament scholar say, he calls them the rewords, the rewords, redeem, restore, renew, all these. I mean, there's, there's so many more rewords. We'll probably see them in, as we go through this class. He, he, that's what God's at work at. That's his mission, to bring out those rewords. So he's working. He's not just wiping us clean and starting, he's saying he's redeeming, he's renewing. Um, and we'll talk more about that. So we'll look at the various books and events, characters and types. Um, as the writer of the book said, the symbolism of the Old Testament is the water that the New Testament writers swim and live. And we're going to talk about that. When we get to Jesus, so often we think of what we call messianic prophecies or predictions of Christ that are in the Old Testament. Some of the Psalms, um, Isaiah kind of thing. But there's more than that. There's so much more than that um, that shows that idea of Christ coming and predicts his fulfillment. He fulfills all of it. He fulfills all of it. And that's part of that looking backwards, reading backwards, and seeing, you know, oh, wow, that's the 40 days in the wilderness. Well, it's a little bit of a mirror image of the 40 years in the wilderness for the, for what we, you know, of the Israelites. Je Jesus is living out that story. It's more than just, oh, they predicted he would be born in Bethlehem in the Old Testament, which did happen. He's doing other things that says, I'm, I'm fulfilling the story that could be accomplished before. I'm going to do it myself. So, all right, ready to dive in? Genesis, Act 1, in the beginning creation. The loving king creates. That's in Genesis 1-2. So, I imagine even if you're not familiar with scripture, you know Genesis is the first book. Chapter 1 and 2 are about the creation itself. Um, and he created it good. Um, we're not going to go into this class how creation was done. We're not going to have time for that theological discussion. We could have a whole summer series on that theological discussion. Um, if there are biblical scholars who hold to a high view of scripture who have different views on that. I recommend Anson's series on Genesis that he did several years ago. I believe it was week two or three that he dove into the various viewpoints. Don't, not week one, it was more of an introduction, but week two or three got into the various views on that. So, um, and, and mentioned some scholars. I recommend if you wanna go back and hear that, that'd be, that's great. Um, the writers of this book say, beginning conveys infinite, eternal person. 
that brings the whole creation into existence. He thus establishes himself as the great king over all creation, without limits of any kind, and worthy to receive all glory, honor, etc. The king speaks, let there be. He names, he creates, he commands. What he creates is good, thus signifying a wise king. That's how rich the creation story is. Sometimes we get caught up in the little, you know, when were the sun and moon created? It's bigger than that. The story's bigger than that. It's trying to convey something much bigger than that. We can't get lost in that, that kind of thing. Um, humanity appears, Adam and Eve. They are the crowning touch of his creation. There's a home for humankind where they can live and thrive and enjoy an intimate presence and companionship with the creator himself. Um, it's, again, that relationship idea. He didn't just, Adam, Eve, you're on your own, I'll see you. He is there with them, loving them. And that's early in chapter. Then we get into the image of God. And that's in Genesis chapter 1, 26 through 27. Then God said, let us make ma- mankind in our image, that's image, imago Dei, and our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish um, of the water, that was wrong wording there, and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. This isn't just do whatever you want with them. He wants us to take care of these things, to, to be stewards of his creation. Some people, some scholars think that's what the image of God is really about, is responsibility he's giving. Um, I think it's more than that, but it's least that. Um, the idea of taking care of his creation, not abusing it. We're, he's putting us in charge. <clears throat> so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. He created them. Clearly, that passage is emphasizing God created them. <laughs> he wants us to realize he's in charge. He has the rights. He knows what's best for us. He loves us. He's in relationship. He is the creator. He gets, he gets the final say. And we would want to listen to the one who creates because he knows best. We are God's royal stewards, um, the, writers, uh, the author says, put here to develop the hidden potentials in God's creation so that the whole world may celebrate his glory. Again, this is more than just we get to enjoy it for ourselves. This is universal. This is worldwide to proclaim the great news. Adam and Eve's royal stewardship of Eden is to be a small version of what God intends to happen to the whole creation as history unfolds. So, the, so we find in this early passages of, of Genesis, God is the divine source of it all. He stands apart from his creation. He's the ruler over and cares for his creation. And he has a special relationship with humans above all the creatures. Loves all creatures. Loves his whole creation, but he has a special relationship with, with humans. Um, John Walton, Old Testament scholar, does a great job. He may be one that Anson mentions in the Genesis thing. He, um, he talks about the earth being God's temple. And in, back in these ancient times, these various rulers would put up temples for their gods, and then they'd put little statues around inside the temple, many times their own images or whatever, to signify their, that's their image, I think. Well, John Walton says the idea here in creation is the world is God's temple, 
And we are the little statues that he, he puts us as the images he wants in that temple. It's a living temple. It's a living thing he wants to be a part of, which is a really cool concept. It's a really cool concept. Genesis 3, the fall, the sin, the big boo-boo. We read about the tree of knowledge of good and evil, Bartholomew writes, which represents the temptation to be autonomous. This idea of self-law. And that's what the problem largely is. We want to do it ourselves. We just read in Genesis, God created them. He's in this relationship. By Genesis 3, we say, yeah, we got this. We're the ones saying we got this. God's not walking away. We are. We'll handle this on our own. Our pride, the sinfulness, the one to do ourselves, not rely on him. Therefore, that we get the idea of death. And Bartholomew does a good job of saying, death equals something in them, Adam and Eve, all of us, and between them is shattered. I think that's a great description of what happened when sin arrives. Things are shattered inside ourselves, vertically with God, horizontally with other people. Um, I even heard other scholars will say it impacts creation. So our, our, we have a shattered relationship with our creator, with our fellow humans, with the creation. It's shattered. It, that's what death is all about. It's just devastation. Um, and talks about their relationship with God is also broken. And that's the biggest cost. That's the biggest cost. The relationship is broken. Um, the second part of that fall, though, and, and is, talks about God seeks to restore. He didn't give up on them. Again, we're the ones pulling away, not him. He's drawing us. He's wanting this relationship. So, despite the rebellion, God does not give up on his purposes for creation in his kingdom. Genesis 3.15 is, some scholars, many, most, think that's an early prediction of the Messiah. Um, in Genesis 3.15 talks about, it says, And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And he's talking this, the idea is this idea of Christ, Satan. Christ, Satan. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel. And it's that, that idea of what happened on the cross, but Jesus is the ultimate victor. Um, so that's Genesis 3, if we get that. It's somewhat of a famous passage um, for that. So finally we get to, um, we're running out of time here. The family continues to rebel, and the bonds dissolve. Um, we get in the idea of Cain and Abel, um, all that will continue to fall apart there. Um, the fall is devastating. Devastating. But God does not give up. And he's going to go, as we get into these next few weeks here, he's, he's going to go into restoring that. We're going to talk about Noah next week. Um, and we're talking about Abraham. We're going into Moses. Um, and we're going to lead up to the parts of, of the beginning of Israel um, and how God work through that and use that family to to bring about those rewords redeem restore recreate 
His plan does not give up on us. He, he draws us to him.